Hey everyone, it's Chris Corrales of the Medicine Evolution Podcast. Uh, continually trying to um, evolve. <laughs> and uh, as I start, restart, fail, um, record these podcasts over and over and over again, uh, hoping to find some consistency along the way. Uh, but here I go, and I think I've found, um, you know, one thing that can definitely help me, uh, and that is just to begin recording. <laughs> Sounds pretty crazy, but um, just daily life um, is quite extraordinary. Uh, the The conversations that I end up in, um, especially on the table, on the table of structural integration is I think where a lot is shared. Um, and I realize, and you know, a lot of the people that are receiving the work of structural integration are like, man, you got to record these sessions. And so, uh, I feel like I am much more open to flow when I'm doing that type of work. Uh, so that's one thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to set up, I'm going to, this podcast is really going to be about how we can evolve as human beings. Um, and that's initially what medicine evolution was about. It's about the evolution of human beings and how we can find and access and live our full potential. Uh, because in a lot of ways, what we're doing nowadays is, uh, living from a place where um, the world or society has defined and has limited us. Um, you know, it has called out and created a direction for us, and we're, we've succumbed to that. Uh, so I think what you'll find in these podcasts is a lot of uh, self-searching and soul-searching and uh, coming up and sharing uh, just amazing wisdoms that people, you know, have um, have come to as they have bumped up against hurdles in life and um, had to overcome or, you know, figure out uh, ways to deal with those things. And I think that that is one ingredient that has really been missing in my experience, at least, of America, is how to access wisdom. Um, it just, for some reason or somehow, we sort of lost track from uh, being principled uh, in our lives uh, or living from a place of values. And I think that, you know, I don't want to go into that in, into the whys too much or the hows or maybe the politics or uh, religion or lack of it or whatever you want to um, put to uh, you know as a uh, um, uh, put blame on um, you know you can but rather than playing the blame game I think what's more important is just to listen to people's stories and how they figured out what they figured out uh, by having overcome hurdles in their lives or, or even becoming more aware of uh, blocks that they have in their life or things that they um, have bad habits that are not helping them. Uh, these are all things that are going to come up in the podcast. And it's going to be a lot about just the human being and the human condition and how we can improve. And, you know, that is all sort of based around the structural integration work that I've been doing for 20 years. Um, structural integration is very interesting because, you know, a lot of people use it to get out of physical pain. But um, there's much more that comes out of that because pain is not just a physical or a biomechanical thing. I think when we think of biomechanics, we think in the, more in the realm of bio, uh, more in the realm of mechanics than the bio aspect. Um, so, you know, we're going to get into all of that because all of that matters. Uh, so again, Chris Corrales of Medicine Evolution, hope you enjoy the podcasts, hope you, um, you know, subscribe, um, share it with other people, share it on your feeds, 
like it, um, comment in it, do whatever uh, you're able and can. Um, but first, you know, hopefully I can produce some quality uh, content for you that you enjoy and that uplifts your life. Uh, because I think that, you know, in my life I have uh, really had sort of a colorful one and I want to share my experiences and and have other people share theirs as well so that we can start to live more from a place of wisdom, um, emotional intelligence, uh, rather than just kind of the bland, mechanistic, uh, linear model of IQ that we were, um, you know, that we had defined in the last generation as such an important thing. Um, but a lot of the world great leaders nowadays are, are really pushing for um, EQ, emotional intelligence, to become the, um, the next wave of, of uh, you know, human potential and um, in making the world a better place in that way. That's also a thing where AI can't follow, is uh, developing the human being, um, you know, our ability to feel, our ability to sense or intuit things, um, I think is, is, is not in the realm of, of AI. And so I think we just, you know, AI is going to push the need and the desire, the want and, the, um, you know, depth that, that, uh, that is the human being that we in the current culture haven't yet really started to break into its potential so you know um, a lot of great things have happened and we're in a great place but there's so much more that we can begin to explore and that's really what we do at medicine evolution so hopefully you like the podcast because i am so ready to bring it to the world and um and 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 see what comes of it and see you know get get responses from all of you um, and just continue to share my life, my story, uh, so that others can um, begin to see the significance of their own. So again, Chris Corrales of the Medicine Evolution Podcast. Find me on Instagram at chris.catalyst. Um, and, you know, again, visit, DM me, do whatever, inspire me. All right, guys. Toodaloo. Yeah, so it's been a bit crazy in the last few days. Um, my father-in-law went in for surgery, um, and then he came out of it, and things seemed okay, and a complication came up, and he didn't recover from that. Mm. Yeah, so that's been like, I mean, in some ways it's been hard, but you know, life moves forward, and you gotta roll with the punches, you know? Yeah. Let's have you roll. Lay on your left side. Yeah, you gotta, lay, you gotta roll with the punches. Oh, yeah. Let's get back this way. So, yeah. In some ways, it's brought our family together, you know? We're all here, mm-hmm. hanging out. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty intense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, it's life, man. Yeah, it's so unexpected. Yeah, it's funny because it's the most—it's the thing we're most certain to happen in life, but we don't like prepare for it much. <laughs> Not really. No. It's weird. That's why it always takes us by surprise, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like it was, it's the thing that should have been the least surprising, but it's kind of the most. <laughs> yeah. We have this weird thinking that like this, it, everything's gonna last, but it's never lasted for anyone else. <laughs> so far, not yet. <laughs> so far, not yet. Yeah, people I know will try to, um, you know. It'll be interesting what the future holds, though. Yeah. Hopefully society will have a different view on this whole topic. Mm. 
I was watching this comedian George Carlin talk about how we're softening our language to avoid like the harsh reality of things, especially like death. Oh. We have so many different words for death. And then, uh, well, the first example he used was uh, shell shock, which now turned into PTSD. And because it takes like longer to say, it's more complicated, it kind of softens it, but it's the same like battlefield effect so yeah because in some parts in india it's very like death is everywhere but here it's very hard to see a dead body yeah <laughs> i know yeah i know i get it tucking it away <laughs> i mean i'm in a pretty um i'm in a pretty big community where every year i probably attend a few a few funerals so and in, in a sometimes in a pretty intimate way because I you know I, I have a lot of teachers and friends who are who are older and so they'll pass and so I have a, I have a pretty big good connection to it mm-hmm. um, but still it's and you can never prepare for it right mm-hmm. not enough you can never prepare for anything enough yeah but yeah, softening the language. Yeah, that, that's kind of an avoiding you know, technique to avoid, maybe. Mm-hmm. George Collin, I never listened to him, but I see a lot of his quotes. I've seen a lot of his quotes and probably like short clips. <laughs> yeah, he's very much a uh, calling it as it is kind of guy. Mm. <laughs> He says it with like this attitude that makes makes it very funny and it's easier to listen to. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but he brings up some pretty good pretty good points. <laughs> <laughs> Comedians are intelligent. Really they are. You have to be to be, you know, a good comedian. Right. And I don't know, like there is a um, there is sort of a science to it in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they might, you know, get everybody, gather the attention of the whole group that's listening by um, saying something funny that everybody can relate to. So, for instance, like an air, airport story or something. Mm. You know, something, and then, and then, and, and then a joke that everybody, like, pretty much has gone through. So you gather the their um, you know gather the crowd that way, and then you have their attention, and they're kind of on the same wavelength, and you start talking about other things. Or it's interesting, you know. There's a lot of skill to, but you know, the the Joker was the only one who could tell the truth in front of the king, right? Oh and not yeah. Get decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> He had an important job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I haven't listened to JP yet, but what kind of comedians are you? Do you mostly listen to? I don't. I don't listen to too many comedians. Hmm. Um. Um. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, I love Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just like right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I listen to Joe. I mean, I don't. I don't listen to his whole episode. Just usually just clips. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, Joe's Joe's good. Yeah. He's into the whole psychedelic realm. He is. Yeah. He's an interesting man. He does fear factor and he does MMA and he talks about psychedelic stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And he just talks about some, like, sometimes interesting stuff, sometimes politics. He's kind of all over the place, but... 
And I think that's what's interesting about him, right? Yeah. There was a there was a phase where I listened to a lot of Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. It's up a lot of interesting topics that I wanted to listen to. Yeah. He brought up float tanks, which got me to go to a float tank. Have you tried it? I've tried it uh, once, I think. Okay. I've tried it once. How many times have you floated? Uh, about three times now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the very last time I floated, I couldn't stay in the whole hour. Mm-hmm. I just felt like super stuffy and I just need to get out. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. How was your float experience? It was okay. It was good. Um, I definitely felt different afterwards. Um, even though, you know, like you're supposed to basically get good at floating so that your experience would be more, you know, right. better. Right. Yeah, because like you know, you you could you'll be hitting the sides or whatever. Um, maybe the temperature gets kind of funky, or you gotta open up the pod. Mm-hmm. So, um, or maybe water gets in your ear. I think water got in my ear. <laughs> that was disturbing. Oh yeah. There's a learning curve. Yeah. Learning. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't attended a funeral, I think it's just because of how young I am. And I've moved away from a lot of my family in Korea, but... Wow. Yeah. What is it you, like? You mean you haven't attended one? I haven't attended one. So oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. What's it like? Um, well, each is different, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, it depends, you know, who the person is, what the family's like, what the culture's like. Those things are big factors of how it's, you know, the whole situation is is taken and responded to. Mm, for sure. Right. So, you know, most of my latest... Uh, Funerals are with the Muslim community. Okay. And so, you know, that has a particular bend to it. Oh, yeah. What's that like? Um, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, it's an interesting culture that we have. Um, the whole burial process is pretty different. Uh, so, you know, in ways it's, it's good because you encounter the reality of death, like, firsthand. Because mm. um, a lot of just the whole ritual of how it goes down, um, I guess, summons people to participate. Yeah, on a very real level, right? Mm. So you're not just, like... You know, a person passes and, like, you don't really, you're not a part of their burial process, except for maybe the viewing, and, like, you just, you could be very, it could be very um, hands-off. But in this, it's encouraged to be hands-on. So, like, from washing the body and preparing it. uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, super (laughs) hands-on, where people will be like, whoa. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, wow. I know they did yeah. that. Yeah, so for like, but non-Muslims who've seen the process, they're like, whoa. I, that's how I would like to be buried. I would like you guys to take care of my body because, you know, because it's ritual, we kind of have ways of doing things that are maybe gentle or careful or caring. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's interesting to 
you know, it's the, the so yeah, from washing the body to um, lowering the body into the ground um, to shoveling dirt over the the deceased. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, carrying the casket from maybe the car to the to the grave. So every yeah, every definitely like people are encouraged to walk the casket so it's carried, you know, by not just the pallbearers, but but everybody should get like a few steps in so that, you know, they're, so death is kind of, you know, it's close, it's imminent. We know that all of us are going to reach that place. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's, it's close. I mean, you're literally taking part in that process and it's kind of like respectful. I see it as kind of respectful for the the deceased. Yeah, definitely. That you're you're giving like time, effort, and energy into the process. Yeah. Seeing them off. Yeah. Because I hear funerals like a business now. <laughs> oh, it's one of the biggest businesses in America. I mean, again, that's the only thing that will that's certain, right? <laughs> <laughs> So boy, like I, I think it's only like a couple, you know, one or two companies or something that own all the, you know, funeral homes. Well, are you serious? Yeah, I think it's pretty much monopolized. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and then obviously on top of that is caskets and gravestones and plots, right? Because mm -hmm. those are for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's. Well, really, it's monopolized to that extent. Oh man, I mean, dude, if you have a business that you know everybody has to buy in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It won't go down. Maybe you have an off day, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> man, <laughs> our numbers aren't so high today. Yeah. I wonder what happened there. <laughs> Breakthrough in science. <laughs> <laughs> the whole diamond industry is like controlled and uh, the advertisements kind of telling us like you know you have to buy this expensive diamond yeah I don't know I don't, I don't buy the whole thing but <laughs> it's kind of like what people are doing right now yeah I feel like I should just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and there's just like a surplus of diamonds. <laughs> right, right. They just make it seem like this is the last time. But it's like they have like so much diamonds. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a huge warehouse of just like all diamonds. This is the last of its kind. <laughs> so they get you. <laughs> yeah, man. Like... Those diamonds, is, some of them are so expensive, you, you know, you want to get insurance on them, man. I know. Because <laughs> I will definitely lose a ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I, I can't wear anything. Did you happen to um, sign up for Giving High? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my I gosh. Wow. Up for it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yep. Man, it's such a good process. But I mean, I, I like basic, but honestly, I love advanced. Ooh. Advanced is like, whew. But in basic, you'll be like, there's more? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, there is more. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that that stuff is like such good, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, it'll be my first time attending any workshop of this kind, so mm. maybe it'll just be good for me to like get used to the people and like the the vibe. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's staffing this. Um, obviously, I'm not. <laughs> but I, uh, 
Uh, I love the work. Like I feel like I that's work that I always need to be in. Like, and honestly, I feel like man, I I'd like to become a trainer, but that's a whole different. I've noticed people who who've gone through you know that a number of times, the trainings a number of times, and, but it's um, yeah, it's a business. So you've got to build it up. And everything. It's, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's good work, man. That's the work to me. That is the work. Mm. It's it's kind of like it's work that is fundamental to life. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> kind of like funeral homes. <laughs> like <laughs> you should have some emotional intelligence, man. <laughs> <laughs> Then like not have like having a low emotional IQ EQ yeah having a low EQ uh, that should be like being illiterate you right. know what I'm saying I mean worse than that almost because like at least if you're illiterate you maybe you can't read things but you can do things you can relate to people exactly yeah you can connect with family like raise others up yeah. You don't need to read to live. <laughs> no, you actually don't. <laughs> yeah, we're creating machines right now. <laughs> yes, we are, exactly. Yeah. And that, the emotions is really the thing that separates. So in a world of AI, our value is going to go, is going to increase with uh, emotional literacy. That's right. And like we don't understand, like a lot of people don't understand exactly what that means, or even can't envision that being the case. But when you have people going through existential crises, <laughs> crisis, you'll see like wow, emotions are really important. <laughs> mm. Amen. And man, I mean, I've seen people's faces change. I've seen people's like lives change, and. Uh, it's just like wow okay yeah the last one there were a few people from the class before that and they were like man if this is what I'm getting in basic if this is the value that I'm getting in basic I'm going into advanced because this is ridiculous so shoot actually I gotta contact them because next month starts leadership and I think I want to on a staff leadership, this leadership group. Oh yeah, for sure you should go for it. I, I, yeah, I, I will. I think that's that's important for me. Mm. Yeah, the emotional work. I think it's like that's. I need to be there because I've always needed that. Mm along with the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so from what angle do they address this stuff? Like, do they talk about family or? Yeah, yeah. Family, your own personal. <clears throat> Basic is about awareness. Mm -hmm. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot about being more aware of yourself. That workshop is like putting a mirror to your emotions, your habits, uh, who you are. So it's like, you know what they say, um, there's things that you know that you know, and there's things that you know that you don't know, and there's things that you don't know that you know, and there's things that you don't know that you don't know. But then there's things that you don't know that you don't know that you don't even know. Right. If, yeah. And that's kind of like the emotional intelligence area. Mm. It's like, you know, things have happened to you and you created strategies from those circumstances that maybe worked for, you know, for you to overcome, get over or get through. And you might use that same strategy because you never really looked at it objectively. So you might use that same strategy for 
other similar things, but it doesn't work in those circumstances. Right. <laughs> so it's about awareness. Basically, about awareness. Okay. Being able to see. Yeah, that's where all of this work begins. Yeah, exactly. Like Reiki. Like, what? what <laughs> how does your nose have to do with your mom or energy? You know, how does, like, what is the aura? Are there auras? Really? Right. Yeah, if I bring this up to people who haven't begun that, like, awareness work, they're just so aloof. They're yeah. like, what? Yeah. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, you know, they're just, they're kind of disconnected is how I experience them. You know, it's like they, they maybe, maybe they really just haven't taken the time to cultivate anything internal, like, or even just time to sit with themselves. Mm. One of my most impactful experiences was being incarcerated. Mm. I was incarcerated when I was 15. Mm -hmm. Like 14, just turned 15. Yeah. And it was the first time that, that I had quiet time, that I had time to myself, like without anything trying to buy for my, my attention. Mm. Wow, it took you to that extent. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> I can imagine it being like a, um, a silent retreat. <laughs> but even more intense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because the door has one handle and it's on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and like, you can't pick up, even if you... So even if I had a choice to talk... The first guy I was roommates with, he was from Mexico, so he didn't speak English. Yeah. So I had to like go in and use my <laughs> my the Spanish that I learned in, high, in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> and my my vocabulary wasn't that extensive. Yeah. So what went on? What what changed? <laughs> Everything. Everything, like, man, I mean, that was a huge exercise in awareness for me. I mean, I think one of the big things that, that, that I learned um, was that I had a lot of support. Mm. Uh, um, I would, I could call, and you, they, they, you'd have to call out, and people would take that, um, people would fit that bill because mm -hmm. uh, it was a collect call um, but I could call out and I would be able to talk to people usually you know friends or family mm. um, other people didn't have anyone to contact mm. uh, I got visits every week consistently every week mm. some people never were visited Ooh. ever Ooh. I received mail. I received tons of mail, man. I, I used to receive a few pieces almost every day. Wow. And for me, if I didn't receive a piece of mail one day, that was loneliness. Mm. That was like, yeah, just a daunting loneliness that I, you know, but other people never got a letter. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So I realized how supported I, I was, even though I didn't know it, right? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, who writes you? You know what I'm saying? Like, people don't write each other when they're out here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Those were all handwritten letters because that's what you could, that's, that's all, you know, either that or a collect call or that's it. Yeah. So, and I didn't realize so many people even thought of me. Mm, wow. Oh my gosh, that was uh, another lesson. 
Um, yeah, so I got to see how really blessed I, I was. Wow, that's a really great lesson. Whew. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, almost everybody should go through that. <laughs> yeah. With a Mexican because, roommate. <laughs> and with a Mexican roommate, yeah. Because if it's like the other guys, like we were just like working out or, you know, messing around. Yeah. And, you know, that space where I just had time to myself and I had to look at myself, I had to, there's no other conversation going in. You know, there's no conversation going in. It was just all, huh? And man, like, like, yeah, there's a bunch of other kids in this whole unit, but I can't even see them until like I go outside or I go out for a meal. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, whoa, dude, like human access was, you know, it was controlled. Yeah. So how long were you like to yourself in a given day then? Well, um, in some, some, there was always uh, a number of times where you were with yourself, you know, just by yourself. Yeah. Um, so in juvenile hall, probably, I don't know, um, uh, seems like most of the day. Oh. I mean, because we had, obviously, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, we had time outside. We had school during the weekdays. Um, we might have had like uh, movie night. What you know? I don't know. A couple times a month or something. Mm. But the majority of time, you're just locked in yourself. And when you're in there, you're in the in juvenile hall. You're waiting to be. You're waiting for. I don't know. I guess trial. I guess you're waiting for trial. I don't know. At least we went through trial. I don't know what other people. I don't know if other people had to go through trial, but we went through trial. So that was a whole. That was a different thing because, like, I had to talk to my lawyer. I had to, you know, I had to talk to my probation officer, and I didn't know what the heck either of those were. <laughs> I learned my lawyer was basically on my team, and my PO was trying to keep me locked down <laughs> so it was interesting like you know trying to figure out how to communicate with them and like trusting that yeah my lawyer does want good for me um and my PO like how do you talk to this guy who is trying to keep you down that was weird I've never been in that situation before but that was kind of the whole point of of the incarceration because it was an intentional incarceration. I wanted to get locked up. Oh. Yeah, because I wanted to spread the, um, I wanted to spread my, the, like my gang's name inside. Well, okay, this, wow. I had a really interesting childhood. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was important to do. You know, kind of. Um, I, I I actually wanted to like rob a bank or rob something big and get money from it. <laughs> yeah. And then get locked up. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that didn't happen because that would have been like a federal offense. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so my friends didn't want to do that. We ended up doing a drive-by. Oh wow. Yeah, and that was crazy. We had a stolen car and. Like, it was like the movies. We were like chasing these guys and bumping into their car with ours and shooting at them and throwing rocks into their car. And it was pretty wild. Wow, that, okay, you've had a really wild life. Yeah. I can't tell just from looking at your face. I know, so that was one of the things like, so after Juvenile Hall, I got sentenced to, um, to, to do the rest of it in, in, in camp. And camp was like wonderful actually because it, it was out in nature. Ah. Yeah, that was I think where some of my biz biggest transformations came, just being in nature. Mm. Um, you know, it was great. But yeah, so we were one day we were um, 
talking to the psychologist mm. in, our, in our group, in, mm-hmm. in our small team. And we were all going around and losing ourselves and, and saying a little bit of what we did to get in there. And so when it came to me, like all my team members were dying laughing. <laughs> and the psychologist was getting pissed. He was like, what, what is going on here? This is like the worst, you know, out of all of you, Corrales has the worst crime and you guys, and you guys are laughing. Yeah. And so when everything calmed down and, and, and they're, they're ready to answer his question, everybody was like, man, I just can't see Corrales doing something like that. Mm. But you know, that was like influence of, um, of music and I was bored. Uh. Or one of my teachers has said that, you know, when, when kids join gangs, it's actually, you know, in one, one perspective that you can take is, is actually a, a healthy move because they're looking for support. Mm. They're looking for social support and connection. Yeah. It was just kind of off, you know, right? Right. Those were the people available to them. Um, and so that's an important point, though. A lot of people are looking for connection, support, social, right? That's right. And so people were looking at it for, for it in different ways. And that was just the way I, 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 uh, I went. Hmm. I can totally see that instead of kind of like being depressed by yourself. Yeah. It's actually an upgrade to join a gang. It's <laughs> <some> fun. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it was actually fun. We had a lot of we had a lot of fun. Like it was fun. You know, it was a fun idea to get jumped in. <laughs> 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 to get beat up by a bunch of people oh. and live through it. <laughs> oh yeah. So you've been have you had have you been in a lot of fights? I haven't been in a lot of fights, no. Uh-huh. I wouldn't even say I'm very tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not like the big, uh, the hunky types. Yeah, you're nimble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was, uh, it was a good experience. And in camp was a good experience. Like I said, it was in nature, so... Oh, I got to just like, I got to see the moon in different phases and different sizes. I got to see star shift. I got to see, you know, a night sky lit by stars. I got to feel the cold of winter, the heat of summer. Um, it was just, uh, the thing I hated most about it was having to wear everybody else's socks and underwear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, was, that was horrible like shared undergarments oh, oh man man oh no oh. there's some nasty kids out there oh my gosh that was painful <laughs> so the strategy was to befriend someone who's who worked in the laundry room mm. because they always had like access to fresh packets of of clothes yeah (laughs) there's your social skills at work right there at work putting them to work exactly (laughs) it's like a gang but it's like the friendly gang (laughs) yeah like how do I get cool with this guy so I can get some fresh underwear (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah wow being in nature is like so therapeutic right yeah, I bet when you were in the gang previously, you didn't really get in touch with nature at all. <laughs> well, yeah, that was when I was furthest from nature, probably. Because mm. I grew up, like, on the edge of a canyon. So we used to play a lot in there. Oh. And then, um, yeah, we just kind of distanced ourselves from it in that period of life. Mm-hmm. Let's have you take a walk, see how that feels. Oh, yeah, my right side feels taller without 
me trying to like consciously force it to be taller. Oh, good. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I feel like my neck was a little tight when you were working on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Your neck was tight. Yeah. So that's uh, that's something that we can definitely work more on um, how to how to open that area up. Your whole spine, like movement in your spine, is something we want to cultivate. Super important. Mm -hmm. Spinal movement. Mm -hmm. Very very important. Yeah. Auras, kundalini, chakras. Right. It doesn't go up if it's not like aligned. <laughs> yeah. It's messy. It's messy, yeah. Yeah. How's my spine doing? Just from your assessment. It's alright. Again, it could use more movement. So mm. I think that's what we... We might go into some of that tonight. Um, okay. Yeah. Go ahead and lay down on your other side. Let me go to the Go ahead. Room real quick. You're good. What was the code again? 6406. 6406. I think what's... I th when looking back at things, what I think I saw is that I was trying to create experiences for myself. Mm. So I think a lot of what the human being needs and wants is experiences life experiences mm -hmm. um, and for me I've always wanted personal experiences not just from a book or a movie or something I mean those are nice but they don't satisfy at a deep level they don't give me that you know I've always needed personal experiences mm. Throwing yourself in there, huh? <laughs> yeah. But I think, yeah, that's way better, better of a lesson than conceptual learning. Yeah, I mean, what are the people going to talk about? You know, people talk about all those kids as criminals and shoo. You know what I saw when I was in there? Hmm. I, I told my brother-in-law this, who who worked at uh, Dartsmouth College for a bit. Mm -hmm. And he's, well, so, okay, so this is it. I, what I saw in there was extremely talented, creative, and, and smart, intelligent people. Really? They just have to be, happen to be criminal, criminals. And, and, you know, I think part of it is their lives were hard. Their lives were difficult. Maybe they're from broken homes or, you know, poverty or, right? Yeah. Abuse of some sort. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Sure, right? So, you know, you have that and, and that makes for a tough, you know, how do you interact in society when, you're, when your garb's always up? Because, or, you know, you don't feel worthy. You don't feel um, a sense of dignity. Okay, yeah, I totally resonate, resonate with that. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're humans, you know, they're people before they are poor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're people. Exactly. They deserve respect. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and maybe because of life circumstances, they don't respect themselves first. And okay, so they don't respect themselves, and so they act out in other ways. But you know, that's the that's the, that's the circumstance. And so we would do these impromptu skits every week on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. They would give us like a, a a topic, and you know, each team would get a topic, and they'd have to play it out. And whoever won, you know, I don't know, won the prize. Mm. But oh man. They will come up with stuff in like 15 or 20 minutes that will blow your mind. And it wasn't, it wouldn't just, it wasn't just a verbal, um, you know, display. Like they acted it out. 
with their whole being. And they were just so brilliant. And so anyways, I told that story to my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And he, what comes up in his head is a bell curve. Because he's like, wow, that's really interesting. You have these super intelligent people, but they're criminals. Mm-hmm. And they're locked up and they're on one side of the societal spectrum. Yeah. Then you have all of us who are just kind of like middle class, normal people doing, you know, a thing, not trying to harm anybody or anything. Yeah. But we're doing that. And then you have this like elite group of people who are highly educated, intelligent. Um, but also, also there's crime going on there. Mm. Some of it you can call white collar crime after they graduate. But other stuff you might say that like, Man, he said that Dart Smith at that time was um, uh, really high for for rape hmm. and other types of crime on on campus or you know, within the um, student body. So that's what he saw. That's what came to his mind. It's like, whoa, super intelligent people, but on the other side of the spectrum, you know, usually they didn't go to they didn't they weren't incarcerated mm-hmm. but there's definitely white collar crime yeah you know we don't hear about it much it's it's interesting no i i don't hear about it like at all <laughs> no it's not like gonna make you know the the headline today's headline even though it's happening well that that billionaire just got caught for uh human trafficking yeah it's like what you're a billionaire, bro. Like, why? Why would you compromise that? Exactly. What? That's dumb. Yeah. But people get off on weird things, right? Or they're just jacked up mm. in certain ways. And, and they have a predisposition to acting in these, you know, morally retarded ways. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Huh. Yeah, what's going to happen to him, though? He's a billionaire. Oh, yeah. He can, he can do things with a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Because a lot of times it does, it does, you know, things do come down to money. Right? What is it? Yeah. Celebrities can get caught doing the same thing. Yeah. Different sentences. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. It, it's it's so unevolved. <laughs> unevolved, right? Yeah. Well. Well. Maybe monetarily, they. May, yeah, there's maybe a few things about it. I mean. Maybe they're seen as like they they have more to contribute to the society in ways, right? Hmm. That's true. We gotta keep society running. Yeah. Hmm. Guess that's a good point. So yeah, <laughs> if you locked up all the drug dealers, that would be one thing. But if you locked up all the politicians, that would be a whole different. Yeah. (laughs) Anarchy from that point on. Right. Some serious breakdown or some serious, like, justice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a movie from that point on. Yeah. So yeah, those, those are some of the things that I got out of out of that experience. Yeah. It was a good experience for me. It it made me um, it made me more raw to my emotions and to uh, to gratitude. Like I befriended gratitude more. I didn't. I don't think I had it at that. You know, that stage in my life. Mm. Hmm. Man, when you're like at camp, so yeah, after I got I got sentenced to camp and being there in nature, like every week, um, the visitation was usually from my parents, 
and they would bring home cooked food and that was just amazing and like i said some of these kids ne were never visited oh my lord so Bad always man. ate the county food hmm. did those kids have a transforming experience probably not probably not right no probably not yeah i feel like love is kind of like the catalyst kind of for transformation otherwise like I don't know, they get more bitter? Yeah. Oh. Dude, if you're not supported, if you like, man, I, easily I could see them getting bitter. Easily I could see them going down a darker road, right? It could be totally opposite mine. Mm -hmm. Transform, shoot. <laughs> I'll show you transform, transform your face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're more into that kind of transformation for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pissed, right? Like, man, I don't, I'm not getting any support from the world right now. Exactly. You can't, there's no one to dig you out. Yeah. Man. So, man, it, that experience was rich for me. Rich, rich. Like, there were so many experiences in there. I mean, even in terms of like fighting and gangs, you know, like I remember there was this one guy Everybody was like, oh man, you better watch out. You better watch out. So-and-so is gonna get you. So-and-so is gonna All right, whatever. And then so he comes in and yeah, like, yeah, we had a little Squabble and it's just funny how It was it was interesting. There was a lot of stuff. I've always kind of been like that like just show me as much of this reality because I don't want to live in a tiny bubble and not have, you know, a plethora of experiences that, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely added to the human experience, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've dived very deep <laughs> into the human experience. <laughs> But yeah, I had a lot of gratitude from that. That's for sure. Mm. Man, I can't even imagine, like... I mean, what I saw in there, you know, the way that kids acted, and a lot of it is acting out. Like, I have one friend who is um, in... Uh, back up, during the recession, he got laid out from his tech job, and he took a job as a security guard in a in an inner city school in San Francisco. And he said, Man, every day there are fights on the schoolyard here. He said, but you know, when I look deeply into it, those two kids, they're not even fighting each other. They're fighting circumstances at home. Mm. They're like, there's other stuff that they're angry about. And they, you know, their fuse just is lit by something else. Mm. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. They're not even fighting each other. I know. They're not even fighting each other. Like, that dude hates his dad because his dad beat up on his mom. And he's just, like, ready to rage. Yeah. And the other kid's just there, and the other kid's ready to rage, too. I know. It's like a perfect, right? Yeah. Perfect match. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's get this out. This sucks. I'm hurting. I can see you're hurting too. Yeah. Let's just hurt each other and everything will feel better. Holy shit. Yeah. It's crazy, right? And that's kind of like, you can take that principle and apply it other places. It doesn't need to be the schoolyard. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like our unconscious is creating that experience to help us out. Exactly. It's a type of therapy. Uh-huh. Like, everybody has to have a release of, right? Mm. A release of emotion. Yeah. And if you don't have a place to do that at home or with friends, well... 
Just bottle it up. Yeah. And, uh, right. You don't have a choice. Like, they're not, they almost don't have a choice. Yeah. And people aren't talking about, you know, what? Yeah, it's, so there's a lot to the whole thing. Yeah. I, there was a point in my life where uh, I was living with this caretaker granny, not related to me at all. But I think she forgot that like five-year-olds are kind of, you know, they're five-year-olds. Mm. And she tried to train me like a soldier to be like the ideal citizen. But, you know, I'm five years old. Jeez. <laughs> and like uh, every time I would cry, she would just hit me even harder and go oh. like, stop crying, stop crying. And then what happened, like, and then I was, one day I cried. And I guess she was too lazy to hit me. So she just left me in a room and then I just cried myself out. Mm. Took about, I don't know, like three, four hours. You know, kids cry a lot. But after the fourth hour, I was just like, wait, like I'm too tired to cry now. Uh. And uh, at that point, I'm pretty sure I started really disconnecting from my emotions. Mm. That is so harmful for the child to, mm. for that to happen. Wow. And I feel like I'm still like, like facing the effects of that, like it's hard for me to cry. Mm. It's like if I'm about to cry, I stop myself because that mechanism is just so deeply ingrained. Mm. I mean, I'm working on it right now, but um, when I was writing a letter to all my moms, thinking about all the the things I hoped that it could have been, but you know, it didn't, and I was getting pretty emotional. And when I felt the tears coming, I just yawned and stopped, and I was like, "Wait, where where did that go?" Mm. And then so. I, I have to really deal with this issue of like, hmm, yeah, it's being disconnected. Because I can, it's, it, it's like, it's, it, it's inside me. I know it's inside me. Because yeah. I have like uh, very unconscious reactions, like overreacting. Afterwards, I'm like, wait, why did I do that? And I'm pretty sure it's like that piled up emotions that just wants to come out. Uh huh. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be some work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in a, a safe place and good people, you know, the proper proper context. And... Mm, safe place, proper. Yeah. Oh man, that's like key. Well, like, where do you see that? <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. That's why I love Amy Han. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, oh we people need this like people are start like the emotions can starve mm. and then you just die you disconnect you shrivel up inside you don't even know it mm. you know you started dressing it up with all this external stuff mm. man that doesn't take the place of you know how a child was hit well it doesn't take the place of you know whatever went on for that person yeah. <laughs> no way. No way. Like, man, we don't listen to each other. We don't talk. We don't. But to create a safe space and then people are sharing, to me, is like, man. It's so important. It's something that needs to be in the society, it needs to be part of the culture. Just yeah. like education is part of the culture. Yeah, it's so important. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive part of... Because, I mean, America in a lot of ways is a ticking time bomb emotionally. Mm. Right? So say someone wins the, I don't know, Super Bowl. And a new city wins the Super Bowl and like whatever, four people die. <laughs> you know at the party they yeah. got shot yeah what yeah that's, that's insane yeah what why are you waiting you were waiting for something where you could just go off and what was all what's all that about or school shootings you know yeah like what where'd that come from oh. it was just waiting it was waiting because <laughs> no one ever addressed it man no one ever took the time to say hey, hey how you doing how you how you you know and and really say hey man let's let's take a look at this like i'm here for you you know let's let's take a look at this and because boy like the real and we're just so 
you know, dumb in, in the intelligent, in the emotional world, the emotional realm. We don't know how to deal with it. Like at work, you can't really, you know, if you got something going on at home, well, it's going to change in the, in the future, mm. right? Good companies are going to have weekly meetings and people are going to be able to talk about what's going on because it's better that they talk about it and that there's some connection there and people can express than if they're just holding it in and expected to work. You know, lower productivity, creativity, like team, you know, all those things are important to. Oh, yeah. I'd love that at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's space. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to use uh, time. Yeah, you know where, where, what I'm reminded me of when you talk about that? AA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That space of like acceptance, forgiveness, like unconditional lovingness. That's where miracles happen. Exactly. Exactly. And the miracle is like so simple and so accessible but we stay so far from it like we distance ourselves from it it's crazy mm. it's crazy how a person can be become so different just by doing that you know addressing that aspect of themselves mm. it be it's like if you never if it's like if you ate mcdonald's for you know for all you know all your life that's all you ate you're just like not really giving yourself good nutrition mm. emotional intelligence isn't just like in an intellectual exercise you're nurturing you're you're there's new nu nutrients going on there's like there there are physiological chemical biological responses that are happening when you address that mm. psychological you know yeah there's stuff that's needed to move and it's part of our human experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, we're robots. We're creating robots. Yeah, exactly, we're creating robots. <laughs> make things faster, make things faster. Like, who? Who's going to enjoy all this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Enjoy things and we can 